This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cuckoo writers and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge as our guests share 10 things we need to know about the specialist subject. And do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. Okay, I'm delighted to welcome Adam Bush, Olive's Deputy Food Editor, back to the podcast. Hi, Adam. Hello, Janine. Hi. So today you've come to talk about something you managed to do very, very successfully in your spare time, which is run a supper club with your mm. fiance Sophie. Um, tell us how you got started doing that. Um, to be honest, it's just something that we wanted to do. Coming from a chefing background, it kind of gives you all the best things about chefing with kind of none of the negatives. So you get to design your own menu, uh, get people to pay for tickets, and then you kind of cook it and see the smiles on people's faces. I don't mm. know. It was like that sort of really creative and really re rewarding thing, mm. um, but also completely on your own terms. So yeah. you can make it as less stressful and you know all those things it's just like completely on your on your own terms so and for people who, who've never been to a supper club and might not be really familiar with what, what exactly is it i mean i think in these days it can be almost anything that's basically you charge people to cook them dinner right. but traditionally i think it's, it comes from america or, or i think actually in southeast asia as well it's basically they used to do them in like their Homes, homes, you know, yeah. so they basically set the table, invite six people round, charge them, you know, the flat fee of whatever it was for dinner, then cook them, cook them dinner. And yeah, really like opening a one night restaurant in mm. your own home kind of thing. Um, but now I guess it can be a lot wider. You can have venues and do things, but it's, it's, it's really more of a like a one night thing or... Yeah, like a, a one-off, a one now and again. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. interestingly, two people um, that we've had on the pod, the podcast, you and Lou, um, who d runs a Vietnamese supper club, and Sabrina Gale, um, they both started out in their front room. So yeah. it is, it's it's normal to kind of do that, isn't it? Yeah, completely. So you're going to take us through um, ten things you need to know about starting with um, the concept, because. I was thinking, like, do you, do you actually do you need a con? Do you need like some kind of really strong concept to get people in? Do you think? Uh, because supper clubs tend to be one-offs, you yeah. don't really need a concept per se. Yeah. But it can work in your favour if you do. Yeah. Um. So you know, certain people might cook the food of like where you know where they're from or what like they the grew up eating, the heritage yeah. exactly, and then that's like a real good hook yeah. for getting people in. Like, oh, amazing! I've never eaten Singaporean food, yeah. and this person's going to cook it like in their own home, a really sort of like intimate um, 
dinner with someone cooking me food that I've never really ex- yeah, experienced right, yeah. before. Um, or like me and my fiance Soph, which is more of, um, we just take, uh, like it's, it's a, we do ours monthly. So I think if you have, if you're doing more than one, it's quite good to have a concept so that you can run through. So if you have... So people, so people might come and then think, oh, I really enjoyed that. I might come back and see what the next one is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, if you were Italian, you could do like, you know, different regions going through and different... Um, but yeah, me and Soph do like seasonal ingredients. So the menu will change every month. Yeah. And basically then the seasonal ingredients dictate what we what we cook. But the concept's kind of your style of cooking, isn't yeah. it? The way that you and Sophie kind of like think about food. And yeah. I, I suppose, yeah. It's like, it's like sharing, friendly, with kind of influences from all over, really. Yeah. Okay, so let, let's talk about the menu. How do, you, how do you stop putting the menu together? Well, I think when doing a sub club, it's really important to recognise that cooking for a lot of people is completely different uh, to cooking for just a few people for, for dinner. Mm. So um, I think that's a, that's a really good entry point into how you're going to put your menu together mm. um, because uh, you basically don't want to stitch yourself up really yeah. like too early. And I think a lot of the time people want to go really complicated and do a lot of dishes and then on the night, completely regret it because they're like why didn't I just do like a simple plated (laughs) starter and some sharing stuff for the main and then pulled something out of the fridge so I think that's that's something I always you don't do that to begin with you learn that but if someone would have told me I would have been like oh that's actually think of it like a big Christmas dinner as in you've got to have something in the bag that doesn't need last minute yeah exactly and like yeah really thinking about those things and like when we will go on to talk about the venue, but those sort of things can dictate um, what you're going to do and how you want to do it. But I think, yeah, crafting your menu with the idea that you actually have to cook it, yeah, it, not not that you just want to eat it because it is like you have to. Yeah. like that's that's like a really good starting point. Because we, we could all like write a dream menu that we wanted to eat, but then you actually have yeah. to and you, you, execute that as yeah. well. You realise you're deep frying frying on three different courses by accident. It's like, oh no, <laughs> I didn't even didn't even pick that up. So yeah, thinking about th- things like that when you're starting starting writing your menu is is really important. Cool, and and talking about um, you know the amount of people, is there like. Is there a good amount? Is there a sweet spot for the like, the amount of people that you that you're going to invite to get like you know to cover your costs and all of that, or can you have it as small as you want? I mean, um, you can have it as small as you want, really. Um, I think it's whatever you're comfortable doing. Yeah. Um, because I think l- l- kind of like the menu, when you start out, you might be tempted to try and do as many people as possible Mm. and actually for your own peace of mind and for the quality of what you're cooking it's um it's it's better to just keep keep it smaller to begin with and try and build and like work out what you're actually capable and comfortable doing because i mean you know i'm worked as a chef but i mean i've definitely done too many people where i'm like spinning around i've got too many too many things to do (laughs) yeah of course that's always always part of it but um you just, I mean, you just don't want it to be a stressful thing. Yeah. It's like, it's supposed to be a nice thing. Yeah. And I what think, do you think is a manab- manageable amount? Would I would say, say for like home people, 25. Yeah. And that sounds like a lot, but actually, it, I mean, it still, it still is quite a lot of people, but I think like 20, 25, yeah. like is a quite a nice manageable, but I mean, even like 15, really. Yeah. Um, you might have to be quite smart with your costings if you're doing less people, but yeah, maybe like 15 to 20. I suppose you can break it down into like how many, how many plates can I serve up at a time sort of thing. You yeah, know, like completely, to, yeah, completely, completely. Um, talking about costings, money, is it possible to make any? Because, you know, I see restaurants go and bust or obviously they've yeah. got huge overheads, but yeah, like, yeah. 
How, how does that work? Um, I mean, the answer is yes. You definitely can make money. <laughs> like, yeah, me and Soph do, do, do make a profit. Um, I think you, you have to look at it like a business, really, as much as, a, as like a vanity project or like something you want to do um, is like really cost everything out. So right. if you know that you've got 20 people coming at £40 a head, you, then that's that's your money right there. That's all of it. And then you work backwards. You should work out your food costs, if there's any higher venue cost, all those things. And you work backwards until you always still have that, you know, yeah. money. And you've got, you've got loads of stuff on there, haven't you? Like um, if you've got staff, if you've got to get a taxi there and back, yeah, petrol, petrol yeah, it should work all those things yeah. into it because every single little bit is, is you know, so you do, you do spreadsheets basically. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And uh, yeah, I know I know people that put on cyber clubs and have had to pay out of their own, like they, they didn't make it, but they've had to be paid more money because they've completely <laughs> oh, because gone over. And yeah, because yeah. they've without realizing it, they've got prawns on the starter and some kind of steak on the main and yeah. that, that, those th those are the <clears throat> things which are really expensive and actually when you realize you're like okay i've been way too generous here or you know yeah. like those sort of things so that they're like clever not clever ways but you have to realize that when you're doing the menu is that it's three courses mm. and often people might not you, you don't think you need as much food as 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 you as you do you do yeah yeah so being smart with like the amount of protein and how it's served yeah. and can like really help you keep keep costs down and being inventive as well because i mean anyone can go and buy 25 or you know 12 lobsters cut them mm. in half blah blah it's going to cost you a fortune that's yeah, going to yeah. eat up all of your profits yeah. so it's so, kind of like bringing your your expertise of cooking to bear on it yeah which is, absolutely which is, you know what you do basically yeah absolutely love that so what about the venue we've talked about doing it in people's homes what sort of other things can people look at you know I mean, technically, you can do a supper club basically anywhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've done them in, I did it in a vodka distillery yeah. in uh, like a photography place that didn't have a kitchen. But yeah, I mean, when you're looking at your venue, it's about, I mean, it's like, there's a loads of things to think about. Yeah. But I mean, for us, it was always about... Uh, ambience, really. Like if it looked like a nice place where people yeah. would want to come in, it was roomy, it had... Uh, plates and cutlery and things like that that could sort of keep our costs down for higher mm -hmm. and like a lot of the higher stuff's like really generic so like having these places that have might have their own sort of crockery like a photography studio or like a prop you know something to do so with it doesn't that. need a professional kitchen no it just needs a some kind of kitchen space yeah i mean i've i've done supper clubs in places that didn't have any, anything really? and just cooked everything on a one induction hob <laughs> for like 20 people so it was yeah it was kind of mad so again what was the menu Talk and do you know what I, do you know what i can't i, I, try, I was trying to remember i think we did bavet steak wow. so that we could wow. sort of pan fry it and then, and then rest it and then pan fry another one and rest it and like sort of had it on a concertina effect so that we were then serving 10 then we had the next 10 on the second piece that rested yeah. for the extra five, 10 minutes, um, and loads of, uh, salads, <laughs> to be honest, things that, things that hadn't, uh, hadn't been cooked. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it's often the venue which dictates the menu often, mm -hmm. um, like, you know, if they haven't got loads of plates and, but you want to do a plated starter main and dessert, what you're going to do, you can't be washing plates in between. So you have to be like, okay, right, let's be clever. Let's do a sharing main and then do a, plated starter and a plated dessert because in between the main we can get them washed up for the dessert yeah. if you know what I mean and what sort of people would you I mean how do you approach them when you, you or do they kind of come to you um, drop them an email really yeah, yeah I mean l luckily we 
being in the sort of food industry, like know a few people who have done things places. But yeah. I mean, like the vodka thing was like a collab thing. So it, you yeah. could approach like, I mean, if there's like, I don't know, a kombucha place near you that makes it and they've got like a space where you could literally put some tables up yeah. and then you'd be like, oh, we'll serve kombucha for the starter main and dessert or do you oh, know what yeah, I mean? I or something. what you mean. So it's kind of like a, yeah. Like, like a collaborative. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah. the, the vodka distillery was, was like that. There was like vodka was and... Vodka and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and also that's good if it's, if it's booze because people get you know yeah. drunk and enjoy themselves loads so oh. yeah oh. But, to, but to be honest it's like it might it literally might be um a resting like a, a restaurant which is always closed on a monday oh that's a good shout and and, and you walk past and you're like god is they're always closed on a monday i wonder whether they'd let us you know do a sort of 60 40 ticket share for 30 people will come in use yeah. the kitchen that, and that's often what we would do it would be like a, a monday or yeah monday tuesday thing when a lot of places are closed and just take over their kitchen and leave it clean and yeah. leave everything i was going to say you've got to have a certain amount of you know diligence about leaving the space yeah. clean don't you yeah yeah you can't leave it like some kids have just had a massive party oh, and, I, and people do do they yeah, no, yeah. That's, but that's... i am and me and sofa not not one of them no so you're very responsible yeah i'm very clean yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about some common mistakes that people make and that you may have made <laughs> oh i mean i've made made lots um yeah i think uh, like, as we were t- as, as, as we've said like trying to cook for too many people and just not having the capability to like so like you might you might be you might do a lot of your prep at home during the day and then only be able to get into the venue at like six PM once it closes. So if it's like say on a Wednesday it's only open for lunch and then you rent it for so yeah, we've done that quite a few few places where for whatever reason a Wednesday, Thursday they're just open for lunch and then we okay. can come in in the evening and use their kitchen. But you can't get in, so you have to cook everything at home and then realizing your home fridge just isn't big enough for like the 40 people's worth of food and, you know, having to juggle that around and not being able to prep things because you're like, I mean, once it's prepped, it needs to go fully in the fridge or if it's been cooked, it needs to be chilled. And then you're turning up at six with like a million jobs to do and having to like, you know, and what about complicated things? I think you said something about tortellini that yeah. still have nightmares about. Yeah, that, that was that was that was quite traumatic. So I think we did so we yeah, we did like a Wednesday, Thursday supper club in the evening. And on the Tuesday night we made tortellini for a hundred people. And mm. we realized that for a starter you needed five. So it was literally five hundred. So it was making pasta, the filling, and just just make it like physically making them all. We, I mean, we were there till like three o'clock in the morning. It was like the worst. It was, it, it, we made them solidly for like six hours. It I mean, was, what, I, I don't know, like at some point someone must have said, what are we doing? Yeah, oh, and, oh, many, many times. And do you know what? This is the beauty of this podcast because now you can not do that. So like, yeah. you know, like back then, the, like these are the mistakes that I've genuinely made, like, you know, cooking for too many people, not having like all, the, all these things yeah. I've done. But sometimes you just have to go through these things. I mean, it's, it's a learning experience, isn't it? And now that you you know that, I mean, you, you're only you're only ever going to cook tortellini for a hundred people once. Yes, That's I was I will never make it again. <laughs> uh, gen- genuinely, I think I've got you know arthritis from like forming the little things in the pasta. I mean, yeah, pasta's a tricky one. I think we 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 did like fresh tagliatelle for something for a starter yeah. for like fifty people, and it just t- it takes forever to cook it because you can't cook uh, that much in one pan and then you've got to get it out toss it in the sauce get it onto a plate and by the time that you've done that and you've got the next batch in 
that's kind of getting cold. It yeah. gets cold really quickly. It's so. almost one by one. It's why yeah. in those pasta restaurants that are, you know, the sort of higher end, mm. you can see them sort of doing their single portion pasta into the saucepan, yeah. mix it around and straight into the and straight to the person because yeah. it needs to be super fresh, doesn't it? Exactly. And uh, if it sits on the plate, it gets stodgy, it gets cold. And so I think we ended up doing it in batches of like 10. And yeah, the people who got the first 10 compared to the last 10, they were like finished and like, you know, ready for the main Looking course. Yeah, the main yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, we're, I mean... I can just learn from these things. Yeah. Like, don't you know. expect pasta <laughs> to something no, no, soon. <laughs> no, only if you just come around for dinner. Yeah. Um, what about advertising? Like, how do people get them? I mean, how do you if you if you're going to do it? How do you get the message out there? When you're doing it. Um, Instagram's really good mm. for us. That's what we use. We've got like a, a dedicated page for what like our sub club name. Um, what is your supper club called? It's called Neighbourhood London. I know. Yeah, I did realise that. I realised that. I was like, am I allowed to mention it? Yeah, I am. Yeah, Neighbourhood London. Uh, It's called Neighbourhood London. Um, And uh, yeah, we use Instagram a lot. And like, I think, I mean, it's different for us. We work in food. So people Mm. follow us for food. So then they might see our normal content and be like, oh, they're doing a supper club. We'll go along to that. But I think, yeah, Instagram can be really, really good. Like word Um, of mouth, I guess, as well. Word of mouth, yeah. I think that's how, like, I mean, you know, in the beginning. it was Yeah, it was all of that. Um, People have um, newsletters. So I know there's a few people that specifically have newsletters just for their supper club and you send it out and it's like, yeah. So there's people on mailing lists. Um, Yeah, to be honest, it can be anything. And again, even like uh, websites like that you go to find events in London. Oh, okay. That's a good Um, show, yeah. Like... Dice, you said? Dice, yeah. Yeah. Dice is one, but that's that's like a good one for hosting your tickets or like design my night and things like that where you can can go and be like, oh, I wonder if there's a gig on tonight or a sub club or... And they'll they'll have listings and stuff. Okay. Um, So like that. But yeah, I mean, really, to be honest, it might be your friends for the like first start, ones starting off small yeah, on social media and just yeah. getting getting that buzz around because I know my I, where I live in Crouch End I'm on the um, the Crouch End Facebook groups which are hilarious in themselves <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't doubt it local politics and stuff but um, often people are just advertise on there and they get loads of comeback from it it's brilliant you know like you can see people getting really excited about it yeah, yeah. you have someone doing something at the end of the street yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really nice yeah well. they're really cool um, obviously you're an ex-chef so you're this part of your whole thing is is organization but mm-hmm. tell us about that i mean how that that's got to be a big part of what you do oh i mean huge um it basically is the difference between having a extremely stressful experience or having like a nice calm ish yeah. there's always going to be bits where there's like a bottleneck of stuff to you know like of like craziness but if you can widen that neck then that's yeah. that's you know that's yeah, 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 they're like, yeah. um so like I mean, at our side, we do things like we use sharing platters. Yeah, that's nice. So for mains, instead of everyone getting, you know, five different things on the plate, we'll put like one, usually like the protein or, or, or the main component of the dish. And then the rest has already gone to the table um, in sharing platters because it stays warmer longer. And plating things, different elements, mm. takes a lot of time if you're doing like single plates. Um, and certain people can help them. People like to help people themselves. Can have people can have more, might like exactly. more or less of something. Exactly. Um, and for you, it gives you a little bit of a buffer because you can put like, you know, if you have, say we're doing beans, we can yeah. put like 10 of the beans out and the waiters or whoever's helping can go and put that out while you then finish off whatever the, it is, like the yeah. main component of what you want to do. And Because often those bits are already done. So if it's like a salad, it might be already dressed in a big bowl 
just ready to put on the platter, you know? Amazing. So it's, it, it, it just gives you a little bit more, like, yeah, more time. Yeah. Being like really organized, having like your tongs and your serving spoons and your ladle, if it is all laid out. So you're not like, oh, I've got everything ready, but now I just need to have something to spoon it out. Like, yeah. you know, all those logical- People casting around looking for things to actually get yeah. stuff off the plates. I mean, if there's like people with dietary requirements or anyone mm. with like different, uh, eating orders, knowing where they are and where they're going to come up and being like, okay, right, it's we've sent 10, so I think the vegetarian is now going to be about, so we'll just do that one now and get that one to the person. Yeah. Um, that really helps. Timings. So, like, it starts at 7, Yeah. you know, and basically you can give people, like, a 15-minute window, yeah. but, like, the starters are going out at 7, mains at 7.30, puddings can maybe be a bit more relaxed. Relaxed, yeah. But... It gives you definite timings for you to then work backwards from. Oh, I see. Okay. So if you've got steak for like, you know, that bavette steak, you have to know pretty much when you're going to slice it so that you can rest it and cook it perfectly leading up to that point. Um, that's like, really, it's just because I think that's another thing that when people do supper clubs, they end up people don't leave till like you know midnight because you've overstretched yourself yeah. it's more complicated and your timings have gone out the window and suddenly you know it's 9 30 and people have had a small starter and are waiting for their main while you tear around the yeah. kitchen and because into all of that bring your own wine exactly exactly um so you're having those strict um maybe not the timings just like a really good plan of how yeah. you want and how things are going to go is is like a definite definite plus also practice the dishes i was gonna i was gonna ask you that earlier on when you were talking about the tortellini you obviously didn't practice that no one, did you <laughs> no but i mean there's a, there might have made like five ages ago, not oh, 500 fine, yeah yeah but that really took me like like three minutes so what's that 300 <laughs> minutes yeah practice the dishes because then it's i mean you you know you, you almost have a muscle memory of what you're doing yeah. and how to cook it and what goes in it and you can refine it if you're not happy because there's nothing worse than putting something out of supper club and then being like, yeah, I wasn't really happy. I wasn't as happy with it. Whereas, and we have like, I, I mean, for some of the supper clubs, life has taken over and we haven't been able to practice it as much, some yeah. of the dishes. And then you put it out and you're like, I wish we'd just eaten that or tried it last week so we could just tweak it, you yeah. know, or put something different on as a garnish, you know, all, all these little things. But I bet you're your biggest critic though as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Most people everyone, just hoof it down. Most there. people are like, oh my God, someone's cooking for yeah, me. This yeah. is incredible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, those are my, my top tips, I guess. Amazing. Um, let's talk a bit about the legal stuff, because mm. this, this is what I always think, oh, God, would you need loads of different qualifications, health and safety, hygiene, and what, what, do, what do you actually need to start? I mean, it's kind of pretty, pretty vague legally, but you don't really need to do anything legally unless if you're cooking from your own home, yeah. then you it's something like you have to cook five days uh, two is it two day two days it's like it's like it's, it's, it's one of these really weird things it's like two days in a row mm -hmm. for more than two w weeks of the month okay that's really confusing for it to, to cook for, over for, into for, for, a legal thing yeah, yeah. so then at, at that point a business ex exactly at that point you then need to go and register your house as a food premises okay. with the council and they'll come around and, and check check everything check yeah. that your fridges are the right temperatures you have like a hand washing sink and a 
dishwashing like you know all these things that like kind of food premises i think need. that applies for people for example if you were starting a cake business from home yeah completely and you were cooking in there every day eventually they would want to come around and check what yeah. you would yeah how your prep was and all that. completely yeah. completely um but if you're i mean if you're doing it usually the premises of where you go so if you're like going to do uh, like you know we we basically don't really cook anything at home anymore yeah. you just go and do it at the premises because the places we use we can have them all day yeah um before the day before no or, or day of sorry and they will have their own food hygiene they if they're a, a food premises mm. they will have already done the food premises they will be hygiene rated they'll have certain stars yeah. they will come in and check every now and again things like that so they take care of that but i mean I mean, if you're going to have anything to do with food in a professional way that you're selling it, you should just get your level two food health, uh, food and safety course. Food and safety you can do it really online. Good, yeah. You just pay for it and you just basically you sit down and do it as a presentation yeah. and then you have to take a test, basically. And a lot of it's common sense, but it's really, I mean, I've done it. It's really good to do because it just reminds you of stuff about, you know, how long you, you, you should actually leave stuff out and when you should fridge stuff. And, yeah you know, freezing and all of that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, like what numbers to look out for, like yeah. how long things should be set out for, all, all those things. Like, where, And also just knowing where the danger yeah, things the danger are, points are, the dangerous so points are, so you know where they are, so you can really minimise them. I mean, that's what it's all about, yeah. really. Um, but often you think you know more than you do, then you look, you watch these things and you're like, oh, right, I actually yeah. learned Remind a lot. Yeah, I yeah. actually was reminded or learned a lot um, from that. Um yeah, I think that that would be that would be it's a really a, it's good. A good, like you said, it's a really good good grounding to have. And what about the booze thing? Because we've talked about that a couple of times. But I think you're not actually allowed to sell it, or you, if you're having or sell wine or drinks. I think it's a tricky thing. If you're, yeah, I mean the 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 booze thing is like a complete premises thing. So it depends on what license oh, they right. have. Okay. Um, in terms of your own home, I think it can only be bring your own booze. Yeah. Because it's technically a private party so you cannot yeah. sell alcohol yeah. um they have to bring their own you can sell food but you you, you can't sell alcohol yeah. um but the venue that you use mm. will then dictate what what on what you can or it and can't be do. like a cocktail at, at, that's part of the ticket price yes yes yeah, so you could build it in you could build it into the ticket because it's it's sort of like in the keeping of the menu completely kind of yeah, yeah yeah but you wouldn't be able to just have a little pop-up bar selling whatever you wanted um yeah, yeah, there. That's really useful to know. And lastly, Adam, you've said for number ten, have fun. Yeah, Tell have us fun. About fun. <laughs> because it's something yeah. that it's something that I've I've learned going through them is that like is what if you're not having fun, what's the point? Yeah. Like yeah, you can make a bit of money. It's not going to make you rich, no. but you know it's and really you're doing it to like see smiles on people's faces yeah. and cook the food that you really want to cook. That's the whole yeah. point. Like. Don't cook what you think people want to eat. Cook no. what you want to cook and you want to eat because that's how you'll get the most like authentic concept, really. Definitely, and like yeah. why people will come back um, is if you're cooking food you want to cook, putting smiles on people's faces and you've got a smile on your own face. That's, that's what it's about. That's what it's all about. Thank you so much for coming to chat to us, Adam. And if people want to find you, have you got, as Neighbourhood London got its own? Yeah, Neighbourhood London on Instagram, yeah. On Instagram. So it's at neighborhood ldn um, or yeah ldn? underscore ldn i ldn. think that's brilliant okay yeah. people can go and find it thank you so much Adam. no worries cheers thanks for listening to the olive magazine podcast for more recipes and inspiration head to olivemagazine.com also why not check out our new olive online shop which we've just launched this week 
Visit us online and use an exclusive discount across a large selection of artisan ingredients, drinks and gifts from some of the UK's finest small businesses, most of which you won't be able to find in supermarkets. You can buy as many products as you like in one easy and secure checkout experience. We'll let the merchants know where to send their products and you'll receive the order directly from them. Just visit shop.olivemagazine.com and if you enter the code WELCOMEOLIVE at checkout, we'll also give you an extra 10% off.